Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it, the Tuesday edition of The Michael Dukes Show. Just another day in paradise, man. So nice, so nice, this uh, 25, 26, 27 degrees here in the South Central area anyway, so much nicer than what it's actually 30, it's actually 33 degrees at my house right now. Uh, anyway, it's, um, it's just, uh, it's just beautiful, man. It's beautiful. We love it. Uh, you ready to, uh, you ready to go? Let's f- figure out what kind of fresh hell that Brad Keithley from Alaskans from Sustainable Budgets is about to su- subject us to. I mean, <clears throat> we say that with the most loving, kind, Christian-like way we can, but uh, it, uh, you know, it's always, it's always tough. It's always tough to get that dose of truth, that dose of truth. So let's jump into it here and get started this morning. No Chris Story today. He, uh, well, he sent me a text last night while I was asleep because that's the kind of guy he is. But it's uh, he's going to be back later this week, and we'll 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 figure something out. But let's jump over to uh, Brad Keithley and just get started. I don't want to mess. There he is, the taskmaster. He's got the whip. He's got the chains. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. How about Tuesday Truth? How about, Tuesday, how about that, you know, Truth Tuesdays? The truth hurts, right? That's all I could think of is the truth hurts, baby. But you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, we give Brad a hard time, but he is laying down some truth bombs. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes that stuff's on target, man. Sometimes that stuff is on target. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's get started this morning uh, with the discussion of Brad. Uh, we're going to start off with... Um, the good start in ways and means, but it needs more. That's cryptic. So tell me, tell me more, Brad. What's uh, what's going on this morning? Well, last Wednesday, uh, Ben Carpenter's Ways and Means Committee held a hearing uh, for the leg- Alexi Painter, the Legislative Finance Director, to present the model, the, the 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 legislative model, LFD model, Legislative Finance Division model, um, and give it. Uh, uh, present it to Ways and Means so Ways and Means can start playing with it. It's a great model uh, as far as it goes. The model, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, you can go to the to the hearing record on uh, on uh, Ben's hearing on on Wednesday and see at least the the printoffs of the of what the model looks like. It has various knobs uh, that enables you to reduce spending or increase revenues uh, in a variety of ways, uh, frankly, a, a surprisingly uh, broad broad number of ways uh, that I think is a really good starting point uh, for a discussion, continuing the discussion, renewing the discussion, however you want to put it, 
of, uh, of ways to put a balanced, comprehensive package together uh, to, uh, to go forward on a, on a fiscal plan. There are two things that, that it doesn't have. And, and they're not uh, Alexi's fault. One of them may be uh, one, Legislative Finance Division's fault. Uh, but there are two things it doesn't have. One is it doesn't have any modules for oil revenues. It doesn't have any modules to show changes in oil price as, uh, as the futures market works forward. But more importantly, it doesn't have any uh, modules to show changes in oil taxes, such as reducing the per barrel credit or closing the Hillcorp $100 million loophole. Uh, or doing other things that would bring the oil piece of the fix uh, into the model. The reason it doesn't is because legislative finance has historically deferred to the Department of Revenue to provide those numbers. Department of Revenue uh, has the tax numbers, individual tax returns are uh, confidential in this state, uh, producer tax returns are confidential in this state. And so uh, revenue can take those and do aggregations that legislative finance cannot. Uh, revenue's also got the model, the revenue model, the oil model that shows uh, the different revenues at different oil prices. Um, and revenue's also got the model that would show the effect of closing, uh, of reducing the per bell credit or closing the, the Hillcorp loophole or a variety of other things. Um, but they, changing the the amortization period, right? But they didn't put any of that. They have all these tools, but they didn't include any of those in the model that you're talking about. Well, revenue has those tools, but legislative finance doesn't. Right. So legislative okay. finance legislative finances model went as far as it could in terms of looking at various revenue measures, broad based revenue measures, but didn't have anything on oil. And as we've talked about on the show before, revenue hasn't hasn't updated its data on on the various uh, pieces or the various uh, uh, components that would result from uh, from changing oil taxes. Revenue hasn't updated theirs since before Adam Crum became commissioner. <laughs> all of a sudden, all that stuff disappeared uh, from their revenue model and uh, and they haven't uh, they haven't put it back out there since. So, you know, it's sort of like ways and means gets, you know, one strong hand out of uh, out of the legislative finance division revenue model, but still has one hand tied behind its back uh, in dealing with uh, oil prices. Now, maybe maybe Ben has in mind uh, uh, calling revenue up, the Department of Revenue up. If he doesn't have that in mind, I would encourage him calling the, the Department of Revenue up to talk about uh, uh, those things to to have to have a presentation of its oil model. Uh, to sort of update what uh, what uh, had happened under uh, Lucinda Mahoney's uh, uh, tenure, and and bring that into the room so we can see the oil revenue piece, and that would be that would be very useful. But that's not in the legislative finance division model, and that's a, that's a problem. Well, and part of the problem. Oh, I'm just going to say before you jump into it, part of the reason why you're harping, I think, on this is because again, that was part of the fiscal policy working group's model plan was that oil new oil revenues would have to be generated, that there is money left on the table. You and I have talked about that to the, although some people say that we don't, we've talked about that several times, that there has to, there's four or $500 million sitting on the table that could be utilized without affecting uh, oil investment and exploration investments in the future. It's there. We just need to find a way to make it all work together synergistically with everything else. 
Yeah, we've, we've talked about it repeatedly, Michael. There's about five, there's about $400 million potentially in the, uh, in, in reducing the, uh, the tax credits, the old uh, per barrel tax credits. And there's a hundred million dollars in the, in the Hillcorp loophole, not chicken feed, either one of them. And right. those would, those would contribute, those would go to reducing the burden of, of, on, of, of other revenue sources to, to balance the budget. So right. they're critical. I just wanted to, to point, to, I just wanted to point that out because we're talking specifically about taking, you know, getting some more revenue from the oil companies in that regard, uh, because, uh, you know, it's all a balanced approach. It's everything. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Number two. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. But legislative finance didn't present any of that because it doesn't have the numbers. Revenue has the Department of Revenue has the numbers. The second thing that legislative finance could do, I think, I think they have the tools to do it. Uh, if not, I'd be happy to give them mine. Uh, but the second thing that legislative finance didn't do was a distributional analysis. The effect, the impact of various revenue it measures by income bracket. I don't know how you evaluate a revenue measure if you don't know its impact uh, by income bracket, if you don't know its impact on Alaska families and through them, uh, on the overall Alaska economy, I, you're shooting you're shooting in the dark if you don't have that information. Particularly at a time when legislators say, "Oh, look, you know, we've got a we've got a declining population, uh, working working Alaska families, and we've shown we've shown on this show that 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 decline in population is going on in middle and lower income Alaska uh, families. We've got a decline in working Alaska families." Um, that's a problem. We need to we need to be sensitive to that. We need to try to close that. I don't know how you do a revenue measure if you don't have an analysis that shows what the impact would be on those very families that you that you claim to be concerned about. And so, you know, a revenue measure revenue measures that like like Alexi presented, like like legislative finance division presented, that shows you the gross revenue numbers are fine as far as they go, but they're not to me. They're not helpful in the sense that I don't know if I if I toggle you know module A or toggle module B, I don't know what I'm doing to the impact on Alaska families. I don't know where that money's coming from. I don't know who's paying the money and I don't know who's getting hit by the money. And I don't know the impact on the Alaska overall Alaska economy because the impact on the overall Alaska economy is coming through Alaska families. So it's it's critical when you do any revenue measures, when you consider any revenue measures, it's critical to understand uh, where uh, where that money's coming from. I mean, broad-based measures would would take a part of it from from uh, non-residents, uh, and that would be helpful because it reduces by by shifting a part of it to non-residents, you reduce the burden uh, on residents. Uh, uh, Alaskans, Alaska families would pay ten percent less if we used a revenue a broad-based revenue measure to raise the same revenue that we're doing through PFD cuts because a broad-based revenue measure would, would raise 10% of it from, from non-residents. So it's it's critical to, to understand the distributional effects of, uh, of these revenue measures. And, and Legislative Finance Division, I think, has the tools to do that and should be asked to, to incorporate those tools in the model so that at the same time you're, you're seeing the revenues you raise with various measures you're seeing the impact on Alaska families from uh, from from those measures. Again, asking the question, who pays, right? I mean, that's really the, when it comes down to it. You know, who's deeply affected by that? Uh, okay, last two minutes of the segment. Summate this before we jump into number two. What uh, you know, final thoughts on this analysis at Ways and Means? 
Well, great step forward. Great step forward. Uh, uh, really uh, uh, a lot of information, useful information that I'll incorporate in uh, both the both shows here, both the discussion here, as well as in the weekly column. Gives me gives me information that uh, and gives Alaskans information that we haven't had about uh, about the impact of various uh, revenue measures. But we need two more things. One, we need Department of Revenue to come forward with respect to the impact of various uh, steps uh, on oil revenues. Uh, uh, the similar sort of presentation in terms of toggles. If you do this, you get this much revenue. And we need legislative finance division or someone. Uh, ITEP could do it if legislative finance can't, uh, someone to do the uh, impact, the distributional impact, the impact by uh, Alaska family brackets. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, give us a quick tease on number two before we jump away. Number two is the Cook Inlet has has started to dominate the conversation down in Juneau, and I don't and I obviously I don't have confidence that the legislature understands what they're talking about, uh, or what they may understand what they're talking about, but I don't th I don't think they understand the issue, uh, and I'm concerned that they're going to drive toward a solution that 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 makes matters worse as opposed to making matters better. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can always join us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show uh, if you'd like to participate in the discussion with, uh, with us during the commercial breaks. That's the best place to go and check it out. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We'll return right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. I will just tell the chat room real quick that I did. There it is. Right there, I found it. See? Look at that. That's the shirt that's available for anyone who wants one right there. We can make that work. I found it. I was looking for it yesterday because we talked about it last week or earlier this week or whatever. Um, Brad, you're traveling. I am. This is concert week. I, uh, I saw a group called Nickel Creek, which is a great Americana group, uh, last night in Peoria, Illinois, of all places. They wow. played in Peoria. And um, and then I go tonight uh, up to Chicago to see Sarah Jarose, another great Americana uh, performer. So, yeah, this is this is the this is the concert tour. Nice. Nice. Well, good. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to come on board and uh, share with us. I mean, I think it's a good start, Brad. I mean, you know, with, you know, ways and means. Uh, of course, Ben Carpenter has been working diligently for the last three years. We talked to him on Monday, uh, had him on the program for an hour on Monday, talking to him about all these bits and pieces. And, uh, I mean, the good news is it looks like HDR 7 might actually get a chance to get a vote. We'll see if that helps. Um, but, you know, these are all bits and pieces, and we've talked about all this, whether it's new revenue from oil, uh, you know, cutting back on the size and scope of government, putting a spending cap in. I mean, all those things are – 
are useful in all that we've all agreed we being collectively the the representatives of us all at the fiscal policy working group all agreed that these are things that need to be done but boy we've just got to find the political backbone in the in the legislature to uh to to be able to put all these things together because it just seems like they're all working at loggerheads right now well part of that michael i think is information um i i, I think i think we Alaska citizens and Alaska and the legislators, in fact, need more information to be able to make these decisions. They don't want the information. Maybe maybe part of the problem is they don't want the information. Uh, certainly, Department of Revenue doesn't want to have doesn't want them to have information on oil. But I think I think if we had, I mean, I publish it vir- virtually every week. I publish the distributional analysis of these things virtually every week, but. But people are dismissive sometimes of that because they say, oh, that's just a, you know, that's just one person's opinion. Well, you know, if legislative finance did it um, or or if ITEP did it uh, and presented it to the committee, uh, I think that would have a lot of power. And then you would see, as as you and I do and as the listeners do and as the readers of the the landmine landmine column do virtually every week, you would see that the the adverse distributional, distributional impact the loaded adverse distributional impact uh, of the fiscal measures we're using of PFD cuts and and uh, and and the things that we're using right now, you would see just like the chart we used last week that showed house finance uh, benefiting from PFD cuts, everybody else losing from PFD cuts, house finance benefiting from uh, uh, or or house finance paying more with a flat tax, everybody else paying less with a with a flat tax and by everybody else, I mean the other 80% of Alaska families, just if you would, if, if Alaskans would see that information, I think there'd be a bigger, uh, a bigger impact on them and a bigger drive toward to get, to get to a comprehensive fiscal solution, but they have to see the information and for them to see the information, they have, the information has to be generated and, and the, and the best place to generate it is in, is in legislative committees. Uh, and and I think Ben has a great opportunity. He's used that. Uh, he's used that uh, to uh, 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 develop uh, revenues that uh, that uh, uh, that legislative finance uh, uh, talked about last week. Um, he's used it for that for that purpose. Now he needs to use his committee voice. I think use his committee to get revenue out talking about oil taxes, the impact of oil taxes, and to get. Uh, 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 somebody, legislative finance or ITEP, talking about the distributional impact of these things. Charlie asks, where can we find the slides and the tools that you're describing? Okay, so you can either just write Ben, <laughs> probably the easiest way, or you can go to Wednesday, you can go to the uh, the legislators web, legislature's website, go to the Wednesday, last Wednesday's hearing by House Ways and Means and look under documents. Okay. And you'll find the... Uh, find it there. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Luke show continues common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. Let's get it done. Here we go. Please like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. Only 16 of you have liked me so far. I need you to like me. The Michael Duke show, not your daddy. Wait, sorry, not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Phew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. 
Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're doing what we like to call the weekly top three, which is uh, some some of us call it the weekly beating. Others call it the uh, informational download that we needed for this week. Uh, anyway, Brad continues on to number two. Uh, Brad, uh, hit us with it here. Let's jump right in. All right. So we got to do some oil and gas basics here to to, to talk about the Cook Inlet um, and. And, and I and I and I don't think the legislature really comprehends a couple of basics, or if they do, they're just they're just overlooking them. Uh, one basic is there are two components of of gas that you that you're concerned about. One is reserves, and that's how big a tank you've got, uh, and the other is deliverability, and that's how much out of the tank you can take at any given point in time. Um, and what 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 we're really what we really should be focusing on in Alaska is is a deliverability issue, getting getting gas out of the tank. How fast can we get gas out of the tank? If you can pop that chart up that uh, that I sent you earlier today, if you if you got it. Yep, I got it. There it comes. There you go. All right. So last Thursday there was a hearing. Uh, before the Joint Resources Committee, House Resources Committee, and Senate Resources Committee to focus on the cookie issue. A lot of arm waving, a lot of, oh my God, the sky's falling stuff. Um, and, uh, and really a, a, big, uh, a big concern about what's, uh, what's going on here. And this, is, this chart was, was used by Hillcorp uh, to help educate on the discussion. This chart shows the Hillcorp gas contracts uh, in, uh, by volume uh, and by year uh, in the in the green blocks, they show the Hillcorp deliverability out under those contracts or out of its reserves um, across by that green line across the top. The dotted line across the bottom shows um, uh, shows what the deliverability would be if Hillcorp didn't do any drilling. What Hillcorp was trying to emphasize with this chart. Was they are doing drilling, and and that's moving the curve from the deliverability curve from the dotted line up to the solid line. The gray, whenever you see an overlap with gray, uh, the gray is um, uh, where uh, Hillcorp isn't delivering enough to meet the demand. Uh, I'm sorry. The green line, the green line, the the solid green line is, yeah, Hillcorp's yeah, Hillcorp's development plan. So they're showing, and 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 the demand is the the Cook Inlet demand is sort of the 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 gray up there. They're showing the the shortfall of Hillcorp's contracts against total demand, and what that's really showing is we've got a deliverability problem that Hillcorp doesn't have enough deliverability out of its reserves. It's not really. A, a long-term reserve problem. It's really a deliverability problem. What Cook at what uh, NSTAR said last week uh, during their presentation is LNG. They don't expect LNG to be able to come on by until 2030. And so there, there's really what we're really what we really should be focusing on is the gap in deliverability, the inability to deliver all the reserves, all the supplies that. That the Cook Inlet needs until uh, the LNG gets on, because you know LNG is going to be expensive, 
But as we've talked before on the show, it's the market solution. It's what is the cheapest uh, solution in terms of in terms of cost out there. So what the what the legislature really should be focusing on is how do we get deliverability up until the LNG supplies uh, can get on. And that's not, I mean, giving royalty relief for new wells, you know, uh, giving tax relief for new wells, maybe subsidizing new wells. That's really a reserve, a long-term reserve issue. What you're trying to deal with there is a long-term reserve issue as opposed to a deliverability issue. So it's important, I think, for the legislature to focus in on on the, the issue that they're, that they're, they're cooking that's really facing, which is deliverability. Now, part of the deliverability issue can be set, can be solved by drilling additional wells. NSTAR testified part of the deliverability issue can be solved by drilling additional wells in their storage unit. Their storage unit only has five wells now, I think, five uh, uh, production wells. Two of those had problems during the latest uh, peak and and so you've got you know you're down 40 percent uh with the, with those two wells down if you had more wells in the storage field you've got deliverability up and you can deliver more of your gas on peak you can pour more out of that of your tank on peak uh than than nsar was able to during this last cold snap there are other ways to deal with deliverability i mean hillcorp may be able to drill some near-term wells that would increase deliverability. But things that they were talking about in terms of subsidizing uh, new drilling by uh, either Cosmopol by Bluecrest down at Cosmopolitan or John Hendricks' uh, 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 company up at North Fork, that is, or Kitchen Lights, that is, they're trying to deal with a reserve problem. Now, you know, some would say, well, we really, we've got a reserve problem too, because long-term we want to continue to survive on cook inlet gas. Well, but no one's demonstrated that's a better market opportunity for the state, for the state overall, uh, for citizens overall than, uh, uh, than, uh, uh, than, than uh, just uh, than LNG, putting LNG in place. And then we've got some people who Importing. say, oh, we, we just need to subsidize the big gas line coming down from the top. Right. And, and that'll solve the problem. But right. that's, but again, that's a more expensive solution. Right, because from a financial aspect, the only thing that makes sense right now in the long term is LNG because nobody else the import of LNG to an from an offshore uh, you know for an offshore source somewhere. Right, and it's not an either or. We're not talking about either Cook Inlet supplies or LNG supplies. LNG Cook Inlet supplies will continue to be there. Uh, and people can continue to develop uh, uh, Cook Inlet supplies if the price is right. But, but developing Cook Inlet supplies at, at a huge cost, as people are talking about with, you know, uh, 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 taking away royalty and that sort of stuff, developing, developing Cook Inlet supplies at a huge cost doesn't make much sense when you compare it to LNG. Two things about the hearing last week that I thought, well, three things about the hearing last week that I thought were telling. One, we've got a regulator that's supposed to be looking out for all this. What the, the Regulatory Commission of Alaska has responsibility of supervising the utilities and making sure the utilities are able to live up to their to their obligations. If if NSTAR is saying that they're going to go short, it ought to be the RCA that's all over them. And and the RCA ought to be, you know, hearing uh, uh, proposals for how to how to deal with that with that shortfall and 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 moving forward on proposals for dealing with that shortfall. They weren't at the hearing at all. And, and I think that's a, a 
I, somebody doesn't want to hear from the regulator that has the 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 the, the responsibility for dealing dealing with this issue. Maybe the regulator doesn't want to talk, but I, I'm going to guess that somebody didn't want to hear from the regulator. The second thing that was telling was they didn't have any economists. There's been there's been an economics group that's been hired to look at the Cook Inlet, look at the economics of the various options and bring forward what seems to be the best economic opportunities in a hearing before the Regulatory Commission of Alaska, in a hearing before the RCA. They didn't have anybody from that group uh, uh, show up at the hearing or, or invited to testify at the hearing to talk about what the various options are and what the economics are. It was like, you know, we're, we're, we're dead, we're, we're dead certain we're going in one direction. We don't want to hear about, uh, we don't want to hear about uh, these opportunities or these alternatives. So that was the second most telling thing. We've got econo economists who have looked at what the most efficient, the best economic results are for the Cook Inlet. Uh, and they weren't asked to testify either. The third thing that was most telling was a comment that uh, John Sims made. John Sims is the president of NSTAR. John Sims made uh, at one point, he was talking about tax cuts for the smaller producers for uh, Bluecrest at the Cosmopolitan Field and for John Hendricks at the, at the uh, Kitchen Lights uh, Field. And Sims was quoted as saying, we need to look at not what this is going to cost the state in terms of subsidies, but what it's going to save consumers. So what we're, what we're really talking about is a transfer of money from the state to, cons to South Central consumers to try to lower the cost of gas. That was the goal that Sims was talking about in that quote and the goal that others talked about. How much money will it take to, for the state to give up to lower the cost of gas to South Central consumers to a level that, to a level that they find acceptable? Well, that's not, that shouldn't be the goal particularly in the financial condition the state's in. What should be the goal is finding what's the lowest cost overall for the state, not how much we can lower the cost to consumers by taking money out of the state, but what's the best result for the state overall? What's the lowest impact for the state overall in terms of finding, in terms of finding alternatives? That's what the economists that, that, have been, that have been working on this and have been testifying to the Regulatory Commission of Alaska that's what they've been working on to find the lowest cost overall. And I think, I think it's telling both that, A, they weren't there uh, at the hearing, they weren't called to testify at the hearing, and B, Sims let the cat out of the bag when he said, what, you know, what we're really talking about is how much can we get the state to give us to keep prices low for consumers in South Central? How much can we, can we increase the deficit, if you will, the Alaska deficit, if you will, by by you know to by running money over to South Central consumers to keep the price low for them. It's sort of like Venezuela in a way. I mean, Venezuela subsidizes gasoline prices to keep the price of the cost of gasoline low for consumers. Right. They do it by running huge deficits in the government. This is this is sort of the the Alaska version of the same thing. How much how much money does it take? How much money do we need to give from the state? To keep to keep prices low, to keep gas natural gas prices low for consumers in the Cook Inlet. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're talking about the weekly top three. Um, Brad, so what? I mean, obviously having economists there to make sense. I mean, some other options should have been on the table. It seems like the die is cast on this. So uh, you know that they're going in a certain direction. What would your suggestions be here in the last couple minutes? Well, let the RCA handle it. I mean, in the first place, you've got you've got a statute that sets up a regulatory commission that's supposed to have responsibility for this. 
it ought to be the RCA that's coming to the legislature to tell the legislature what the, what the RCA, having taken into account all the issues, having taken into account all the information, having taken into account what the economists say, it ought to be the RCA that's coming to the legislature to testify about what they think the right approach is and if they need additional legislative authority, what that legislative authority ought to be. Um, that That's sort of issue number one. Uh, issue number two is there, there, there's the economists ought to be there. What this hearing was basically was, oh my God, the producers are telling us need, they need help. Uh, how, do we, how do we use this crisis to give the producers help? How do, we, how do we give them more money in order to help them out? And as John Sims said, how do we give, how do we give them more money so consumers in South Central Alaska get lower prices? So that Alaska can be like Venezuela in that regard. I mean, it's it's that's what the hearing was about. It was it was focused on producers, producers' needs, and and getting the price down to South Central consumers. It ought to be focused on getting the lowest overall economic uh, solution for uh, for Alaska overall. In the long term, uh, I mean, obviously LNG is it, it seems to be the direction that they're headed. Is there any way that you see? A feasibility of Alaskans gas filling that niche in the short, mid, or long term. Here's what's here's what an economist would tell you. LNG is going to send a price signal. Bringing LNG in is going to send a price signal. The price signal is going to be the price needs to be higher uh, in order to to satisfy gas. What I'm going to be interested in is what the Cook Inlet producer's response is to that price signal. If I were a Cook Inlet producer, I'd say, well, I can't produce gas at five dollars, which is what I've been selling it to you for $4, what I've been selling it to you for. I can no longer you know, justify developing gas supplies at that price range. But if LNG is going to be $10, then maybe I can justify developing additional gas supplies at $9, undercut, undercut LNG and still make a profit for myself. We need that free market price signal in there that to, to, to go to Cook Inlet producers and Cook Inlet producers say, okay, well, I've got a response to this now. I can develop additional supplies. Uh, at this price. What NSTAR and what the legislature is trying to do is trying to, they're trying to cut that price signal and say, oh no, we don't, we don't care what the price signal is going to be. We want to keep it at $5. So how much in state subsidies can we pour in there uh, to keep it at, uh, to keep it at $5? And, and I think if we let the market work, LNG threatens to come in, LNG perhaps comes in for a short period of time. I think the Cook Inlet producers see a whole different price signal and see a whole different set of economics about developing additional supplies. And that's the market working. What, what Sims and others are trying to do is, is stop the market from working by saying, we're going to come in with state money. We're going to subsidize producers so they can subsidize South Central consumers. And, and so everybody will be, will be happy. We need to let the market work. We need to let LNG, that price signal from LNG come in and let the Cook Inlet producers then respond to that pricing. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to jump into number two here in just a hot second. We're going to talk about borrowing. <laughs> you and I talked about this uh, earlier this week. Borrowing, not a good idea if, from my point of view. I think Brad probably agrees on that. Let's get his take on that in just a minute. The Michael Duke Show continues common sense liberty-based free thinking radio we continue with brad keithley from alaskans for sustainable budgets right after this
listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. And I think Brian actually encapsulates some of my thoughts on this because, uh, Brian rather, not Brad, but Brian encapsulates some of my thoughts on this. And he says, no, not that one. He says right here, he says, and everyone gets a little cut of that scheme. You know what I mean? The state comes in, they get, they do their subsidies, they do this, they build out the LNG and then LNG becomes, you know, but everybody's getting their taste on the way through of all that government lucre trying to make all these things happen instead of letting just the market work the way that it works. Everybody gets a taste on the way to whatever inevitable solution there is. Yeah, it's, um, uh, legislators have, he- I mean, we've talked about this before on the show, legislators have hero complexes. There's a problem. Oh my God, there's a problem. I got to step in and do it. And, and, you know, for some legislators, I listen to producers. Producers say, you know, I've got a solution. Just give me money or take away costs, which is the same thing. Costs that, that are money to you. Uh, take away costs and I'll provide the solution. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, as I said, we're, we're, this is the Alaska version of Venezuela. We're trying to figure out a way to subsidize somebody. So they'll subsidize somebody else and legislators will look like the heroes because they're the ones that set up the subsidy. Problem is, problem is the state, ultimately it's probably to fund dividends to take the hit because somebody's got to make up the revenue that otherwise would have been there. You know, Tom McKay says, Tom McKay said at one point, well, you know, we're not giving away anything because there wouldn't otherwise be production. So it's okay if we're giving away royalty because there otherwise wouldn't be production. Well, there will be production. I mean, if LNG comes in, LNG is not the complete solution. There's going to be a need for additional Cook Inlet production. As I said, LNG is going to set a price signal that may bring additional production uh, uh, online, additional revenue online that the state would get a share of. So it's not, it's not, it's not what McKay says. It's not, you know, we're not going to get anything anyway. So let's just give it. A, give away the store, we are going to get something and you are giving away the store in order to subsidize the producers. So they'll subsidize the cook inlet, let the market work and, and let the market send the price signal that it's supposed to do. Let cook inlet producers respond to that. And we'll just, we'll just go forward. Sale, make money. We won't have, we won't have a Venezuela situation situation. But, But Brad, we need to do something. (laughs) <laughs> right. We have to do something. I mean, that's the that's the push there. Um, and, and for everybody talking about coal in the chat room, because I've seen a lot of people talking about coal. Yes, we have some of the cleanest burning coal on the planet. Yes, we've got five centuries worth of supply, et cetera, et cetera. But good luck getting a new coal plant built. It would take you 20 years to get if you could even get it done, because the federal government has stated they are basically trying to. Um, they're basically trying to uh, manipulate in you into not using fossil fuels at all. That's the whole point. The the gas is a step in that direction before they hit renewables. Uh, they are bound and determined in one way or the other to get you off of fossil fuels. So forget about coal in the you know in the short or medium term because they just got no interest in doing that. The federal government's made it nearly impossible to use any kind of coal generation. I mean, they're shutting down the plant in Healy. Uh, which, I mean, I still don't understand the long-term effects of some of the things that are going to happen there. But it's, you know, it's uh, 
it's it's kind of crazy, but there you go. And of course, nobody wants to well, talk about nuclear. So, you know, what are we going to do? Well, you know, if you let the market work, maybe people would realize that, that you know, clean coal would be a good option. If you let the market work, maybe people would realize that nuclear would be a good option. But but by by suppressing the market, which is what that that hearing last week was focused on doing by suppressing the market, by by using government money to subsidize producers. So producers will subsidize consumers. Uh, uh, you're you're intervening in the market. You're interfering with the market in a way that you're never going to get true price signals out. You're never going to get true solutions out. You're always going to once you start to subsidize like Venezuela with gas, gasoline, once you start those subsidies, People just won't want, want, want to go off of them um, and, and we'll just keep going and going and going and going down this road. You know, how much more do we need to give you to how much more do we need to give you to, to bribe you into producing uh, the gas that's out there? No, let the market work. Let right. LNG, which is the near term solution, let it come in, let it send a price signal and let people respond to it. It will also send a price signal to the electrics and the electrics may say, "Ooh, this renewable stuff. Yeah, we need to get more of that because that's going to be cheaper than than uh, than the cost of uh, of gas. Let the market work, and we'll get the price signals out there, and people will people will respond correctly to the price signals as opposed to this Venezuela-like subsidy scheme that uh, that uh, the legislature seems to be focused on. Quick legislature and John Sims quick seems to be focused. On. Quick response here, Tom McKay is in the chat room. Actually, he says LNG will double, maybe even triple heating prices. Is that going to be okay for your house? Yeah, sure. I mean, if that's what the market is, if that's what the market is, it's not really going to do that, Tom. I mean, if you'd let the economists come testify, they would tell you it's not really going to do that. I mean, that's what the producers are telling you. That's right. what they want you to think. Right, right. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Borrowing is on our note here. Uh, less than a third of you have liked the show this morning. I'm looking at you right now. Like it. Like it a lot. Let's get back to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke Show. <laughs> no. All right, let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, let's uh, jump into the final segment here, uh, number three, uh, talking about borrowing. I had a big, uh, <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine. I had a big thing about it yesterday, but let's get Brad's take on this. So they want to borrow, they want to borrow. And what I heard uh, from, uh, I got a I got a text from somebody down in Juneau yesterday while we were talking about this, and they said that he's hearing on the word on the street is is that everybody. Uh, is talking about this general obligation bond because some Anchorage legislators want to use it to replace Mulcahy Stadium, amongst other things. <laughs> but I mean, this is this is the whole point. They want now they want to bond now they want to bond for government, borrow money for capital, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Uh, Brad, give us your thoughts on this. So the core of this is is a two hundred million dollar grant that we're getting from the federal government to beef up rail belt electricity, the rail belt grid, uh, to build additional transmission lines or to beef up the existing transmission lines we've gotten. It's a 200, $206 million grant uh, coming from the federal government for that purpose that the, the Alaska Energy Authority has gotten. And, and the question on the table is how do we, uh, how do we you know, the, the state has to 
has to pay a, a matching amount. How does the state come up with its matching amount for that $206 million grant? The Energy Authority has gone out and borrowed $20 million. So we got about $180 million left. The budget isn't in really good shape to have 180, take another $180 million hit. Now, I've seen some comment that we can spread that over time. Uh, and maybe, maybe we can, and maybe that lessens the hit. But it's $180 million one way or the other. So the, the, the core of the discussion about the GO bond has been, let's use a GO bond to raise this other $180 million. Uh, and we'll and and by using a geo bond, we'll pay it off. Uh, we'll pay it off over the course of the of the of the geo bond's life, as opposed to having to come up with all the money now or come up with all the money in a fairly limited fairly limited number of years. At the core, that makes sense. I mean, the the grant we do have transmission problems in this state, electric transmission problems in this state. Uh, the grant is is nice to get. It, coming up with the other two hundred million dollars is. It's probably the right thing to do to take advantage of uh, the grant to, to deal with the electric transmission uh, transmission problems, um, and so at the core, you sort of you sort of begin to understand the sense around the around the geo bond. But the problem is that core quickly explodes. It quickly becomes a Christmas tree. I mean, I mean, the discussion already is, oh my God, well, you know, if South Central is going to get, or if the rail belt is going to get something like this, then. Then, then Southeast needs something like this, and the Bush needs something like this, and Southwest needs something, and, and it just goes on and on and on, and the Christmas tree uh, starts exploding. There was an editorial, I mean, one sense of this, there was an editorial in the Fairbanks News Miner uh, this week uh, that I, I just, I broke out laughing. The headline is, it's time to reconsider the Susitna hydroelectric project. Oh yeah, let's bring that sucker back on the table. Uh, and um, and and talk about including that in the bond, and then some people will say, "Well, we're going to include Susitna, then we ought to, you know, talk about including costs for the Alaska gas line in the bond," and and it just it just explodes uh, into into a million pieces. So, to me, you know, if if that's the cost of pursuing of of taking this route to get the 180 million dollars necessary to offset necessary to, to match the the $200 million coming from the feds, then uh, then that's not that's not gonna be worth it. We need to be looking at other options to get the $180 million. If it's constrained, if we can focus just on that $180 million, then then the, then using a geo bond to raise that money may make some sense. But but if that if that $180 million suddenly becomes $500 million or $750 million or a billion dollars, because everybody realizes we're not going to have a capital budget again for the next 20 years. And so, yeah, this is our one opportunity to get a capital, big capital budget. Uh, and I can, and as a legislator, I can do it on my watch. Um, if that's the, if that's the, uh, uh, the, 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 the solution, if that's what the $180 million costs, then it's not worth it. We need to be looking at, uh, at other alternatives, but it was just, it was just fun to see fun in a fun in a, uh, uh, morbid way, morbid yeah, way. Morbid yeah. way. It was, it was fun to see, you know, this core concept need $180 million. What's the right way to raise it? Um, and uh, all of a sudden for that to explode, everybody going, Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I got my project here. Um, and, uh, and to see that explode in, in just a very, very short period of time. It, uh, again, this is always the problem. It's always a good idea to start with, but the next thing you know, 
your uh, two, you know, hundred and eighty million dollar general obligation bond all of a sudden is eight hundred million dollars because everybody's added every little thing to it. I mean, and even again, credit where credits due. Even Bert Stedman said uh, this is dangerous, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I get worried about it when government is borrowing to uh, to pay for you know to, to pay for today's stuff, and we're going to borrow for twenty five or thirty years on something like that. That does make me a little bit nervous. Now, infrastructure, obviously super important. Uh, you know, obviously to get our transmission lines all squared away and get everything else, I think that's important. But the question is, why aren't we eliminating other things that are nice-to-haves instead of must-haves to come up with that $180 million? Why would we borrow it if we can look at things that the state's doing that it's not mandated to do by the Constitution to find that money? Uh, to me, that would make more sense than borrowing on it in a thing. But the second that the second that we go forward, uh, and Rob just said the legislature's famous for making economic decisions for political reasons, that's exactly what this becomes. Yeah, and this is not the world's best time to be borrowing. The uh, I we keep track of the of the cost of treasury borrowings, US Treasury borrowings, which is sort of the riskless, the riskless cost of, of borrowing, the, the 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 standard from which other borrowing is is judged is set. And and we're still above four percent on uh, on ten, twenty, and thirty thirty year U.S. Treasury bonds. So you know the state of Alaska would not borrow at the same, not be able to borrow at the same rate as the U.S. government. So our cost of borrowing would be higher than that. This is not a particularly great time to be out borrowing. This is one of the problems, frankly, with with the permanent fund board's uh, uh, concept of going out to borrow money uh, uh, for additional investment. The cost of borrowing is so high. The margin between uh, uh, the cost of borrowing and and the return on equity that you might get out of that borrowing is is very narrow. And if a couple of projects go bad, you, you you're in the tank. Um, so it's not it's not a great time to be borrowing. And as a result of that, you want to limit your bar. If you've got to borrow, you want to limit your borrowing. This is not the time to blow up borrowing into big numbers, and then have a big interest cost on top of it, and then be paying that uh, as you uh, during the during the life of the of the borrowing. I mean, the Fed's the Fed is looks like it's going to take interest rates down, near-term interest rates down. That helps that helps influence what long-term interest rates are. You'll start bringing long-term interest rates down. You know, there may be a time when it's going to be better to borrow uh, out there. So right now, <laughs> if we need the stuff, there's going to be time a better time to borrow out there. So right right now, it's better better to uh, better to narrow the borrowing. I guess I would say though. That right time to borrow in terms of interest costs would not be during the term of the current legislature, and so the current <laughs> legislators would not would not get credit for that better borrowing. So, right, right. I mean, they're sort of, they're again, sort of indifferent to interest costs, I guess. Again, making economic decisions for political reasons. One, one more time, they can't be seen as doing something, right? Kind of thing. Uh, all right, Brad. Uh, about a minute here. Final thoughts here for today. Well. Just to just to hit the three things, Ben's on the right track. That committee needs to call Department of Revenue and get them to testify on on oil revenue numbers, the toggles on oil revenue numbers. They need to look at uh, distributional analysis. Cook Inlet, we're focused on the wrong thing. We're focused on becoming how how much like Venezuela can we become? We ought to be focusing on making economically efficient decisions uh, and in setting a price signal that Cook Inlet producers, a legitimate market price signal that Cook Inlet producers can respond to. Um, and the and the and the third piece of it, 
uh, is uh, we need to, if we're going to borrow, we need to keep it very compact, very narrow. If it becomes a Christmas tree, then we need to tank the whole thing and, uh, and look at another way of raising the $180 million we need for the offset of the federal grant. Uh, ben Carpenter just popped into the chat. We got a lot of legislators in here today. Alaska needs to grow up. I, it starts with sustainable fiscal policy, taxing and spending that promotes economic growth. Incentives matter. We're incentivizing the wrong thing. Uh, yeah, you think? I think that that puts a point on it, doesn't it, Brad? That's pretty much it, right there. It does, and that sort of that sort of underlines all three things today. Yes, yeah. we need, we're incentivizing the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on board. We will uh, see you next week. Michael, as always, thanks for having me, folks. We got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. Hour two, dead ahead. No Chris story, but I got some other things to discuss. We'll continue in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Uh, Representative Tom McKay said earlier, I don't know if you saw this, Brad. He said, okay, we will invite Brad and the RCA to testify. To that, I mean, that'd be good. I think to that you should add economists. But, uh, yeah, if Tom McKay is willing to have you and the RCA in there to talk about this stuff, it's good to get the other side of the coin. I mean, you can't just have the producers in there uh, giving you all the doom and gloom that matches their, you know, matches their stuff. Having the RCA, having Brad, having economists in there, probably a good start, Brad. Yeah, sure. Bring it on. Bring. I mean, I. Well, it'll it'll be a, it'll be an interesting discussion. You're absolutely right. The economists need to be there uh, as part of it uh, as part of it as well, because the economists have taken detailed looks at this uh, and, uh, and focused on what the what the right right what the right solution. Yes. I mean, why why hire consultants if you're not going to use them? I mean, it's a, it's 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 sort of a it's sort of a silly thing, right? I mean, we need consultants. We need the consultants to dig into this. Okay, we got consultants. Now they're dug into it. Now this is now this is where it goes. Oh well, we don't want to hear from them. I mean, it's, right, it's, right, it's right. They they may tell us something we don't want to hear, but we just hired him for the we just hired him for the lulls. We just hired him for the giggles. You know, okay, we, we figured we, we had to check the box. Now we don't have to listen to him. We've hired him. We don't have to listen to him. So I- interesting stuff. Um, there was something else. What was the uh, oh Donna's comment? Uh, Borrowing from your children and grandchildren is even worse if it's for defined benefits for government employees. FYI, the Government Benefits Subcommittee at the House State Affairs Committee meets at 5 p.m. today. I mean, that's the other thing. We're going to borrow. We're indebting ourselves even more. Like, eyes wide open. We're, like, plunging into the vat of acid, you know, with eyes. Oh, this is going to be a great swim. Let's just jump in there with both. I just don't understand that at all. Uh, Absolutely at all. And, and we're going to use PFD cuts to finance it. We're going to take money out of the pockets of the very people, uh, out of the very income brackets that we have problems with in Alaska, the working, the working middle and lower income Alaska families. We're going to take more money out of them. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's we we don't under I don't the legislature doesn't understand what it's doing, um, and 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 I understand why it doesn't understand what it's doing, but it's nonetheless not understanding what it's doing. It needs to do needs to do the distributional analysis of the revenues so that people can see who's actually paying for this stuff. It needs to, you know, use the economists on the cook inlet so that people can actually see what the, what the economics uh, are of the alternatives and, and, you know, what we're talking about subsidizing here. Um, it's, it's, we, we, the legislature needs to, to, needs to benefit from information and, and Alaskans need to benefit from the information. I mean, the press doesn't report what the legislature doesn't, doesn't bring up. 
Uh, and so the press is only reporting what the legislature does. So when the legislature narrows the focus, the press narrows the focus. <laughs> the, the press only <clears throat> the press only tells you what the what the legislature wants it to tell you. That there's no there's no questions being asked. Uh, please, sir, could I have another press release that I can paraphrase and send out uh, as a news story? Um, sorry, that's that was mean of me, but that's that's kind of how I feel about what's going on. Uh, all right, final stop, Brad. You're going where? Chicago tonight? More music? Going to Chicago to see uh, see Sarah Jerose tonight for Americana music fans. They'll know. They'll readily know who Sarah Jerose is. She's got a new album out. Uh, and then uh, Wednesday night, I'm going to see. Uh, there, there's a Broadway production uh, in Chicago of Girl from the North Country, which is a Bob Dylan a collection of Bob Dylan songs. So I'm going to I'm going to see that too. It's just sort of, you know, I got got on this roll this week of of seeing music in theater. So I'm going to run it through Wednesday and then go back. Go back and check in with my mother again. <laughs> well, good. We'll give her our love and tell her, uh, uh, we're tell her we're glad to 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 that she lets you out of the house every now and then. Can Brad? <laughs> can Brad come out to play, please, Miss Keithley? Can Brad come out to play? Um, yeah, just, just just tell her not to fall anymore. Mom, mom listens to this. Don't fall anymore. Oh, don't fall anymore. Oh, I know. Isn't that the worst? My 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 mom and dad. My mom fell, and it was like, oh, you know, my dad. He uh, he. Uh, uh, is, uh, had a stroke a few years ago. And so it's just been very different. I always dread that phone call, like, Oh, somebody fell down again, you know? So, uh, take your time, take your time is what I'm saying. Take your time and go from, 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 from obstacle to obstacle that you can brace yourself against. That's all I can say. So, all right, Brad. Well, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, next week, you got a, you got an inkling next week of what you're going to be digging into. Oh, it may be the Cook Inlet more. I mean, if, Tom, if I get to go testify at the legislature, it, it, it may be a, a precursor of uh, of the testimony. But uh, um, it, it'll be it'll be something about fiscal matters, and it'll be something about the Cook Inlet. I'm, this week's column is going to be on the Cook Inlet, so right, uh, right. We'll, we'll see how that comes. Um, out. We really haven't we didn't haven't really dived into the uh, the whole thing on defined benefits i think we talked about it in passing but maybe we should uh, maybe we should do some analysis on that here in the future too maybe you can add that to next week's your thoughts on that and especially with comparatives to some of the other places around the country cuz it's going away and we we're so backwards in so many ways let's jump back into what everybody else is getting out of because it's got to be good you know uh, what we already got out of once and now we're going to get back into again makes no sense it's one of the few times, maybe in the last five years, that I've agreed with Bert Stedman on something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Stedman said that's not what's driving. That's not what's driving employee retention, uh, and is uh, and, and there's no guarantee that uh, we're not going to get down in the hole again. So yeah, yeah I. We, that it's a it's a useful thing to talk about. I'll add it to the list. There you go. Brian says it's ironic that kids learn to walk by furniture surfing and older people survive by furniture surfing. There you go, Brian. That's the comment of the day. All right, Brad. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, we will uh, talk uh, with you uh, next week. Thank you for being having have fun again. Uh, thanks, Michael, and thanks for having me on. Look forward to next week. You bet, you bet. Talk to you soon. All right, folks. Well, that brings us up to um, that brings us up to the next hour. Poof, man, so fast. This so fast. We're gonna get back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Um, we're almost to half of the chat rooms. All the different watching who's watching on where i can see now um 
yeah, we've got about 20 people watching on uh, YouTube. And so anyway, everybody like it, wherever you're at, like it. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to uh, our uh, hour two of the uh, big radio broadcast. We are uh, ready to... We're we're ready to uh, get into this for hour two now. Normally uh, on Tuesdays, uh, Chris Story is going to be join you know joins us and talks about we get a little positivity. This week, we were supposed to get from Chris not only a positivity update, but we were supposed to get his take on this news story that came out of uh, Anchorage about Mark Begich and company getting uh, buying a parking lot for less than what the market would bear. Um, he offered to give us some analysis as a realtor of that. Um, and uh, but <clears throat> he uh, anyway, he sent me a text last night when I was asleep and said, uh, <clears throat> sorry, sorry, sorry. He can't make it today. So maybe on Thursday we'll bring Chris Story on board and uh, we'll see. uh We'll see what uh, happens. We'll see what happens with that. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to be uh, talking, of course, with uh, Mike Shower. And then on uh, in hour two, in hour one, we're going to be uh, talking with Harmony Tomaszewski, who's going to come on board. She has officially uh, been uh, nominated and is an official candidate for the GVEA board. And uh, which, uh, you know, some people are like, well, that doesn't really matter. I just don't. I think it's important uh, to see exactly where we're going. Um, I've been involved in a couple different uh, GVEA board uh, discussions and disputes over the years with some of their candidates. So Harmony Tomaszewski is going to come on board tomorrow and talk with us uh, a little bit that in our one. Um, all right. <clears throat> so welcome to it. Welcome to spring. Question mark? It's actually gone up. I mean, that was I was saying earlier it was 30, 32 degrees, 33 degrees. Now it's 35 degrees here at the uh, radio ranch. Um, it's uh it's fast approaching. Somebody reported down the road for me 40 degrees, and it's 38 and raining down in the peninsula. I don't know what's going on in Fairbanks at this exact moment, but uh, you know, maybe spring has sprung a little early. I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. 
but <clears throat> here we are. We're uh, getting ready to get into it. Um, all right. So um, what are we going to talk about in this hour? Well, first and foremost, I want to let you know that I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines. So if you want to sound off on anything, now's the time to do it. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off on any of the things we talked about this morning, I'd love to hear what you have to say uh, or any other topics this morning. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's great. Uh, 24 and rising in Fairbanks right now. I mean, it's such a tease. Oh, spring, you bitter, bitter woman. You're, you're I, rah, shaking my fist at Mother Nature. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's going to be a horrible tease, especially if the temperature drops on us again here uh, in the future. Um, all right. We are going to talk about a few things. Uh, we got a big, uh, a big uh, um uh, a disaster problem out of Quillingock, uh, we could talk about. Uh, we're also going to talk about the fact that um, politicians gonna politician. Uh, and that's being discussed right now in Anchorage as one of the assembly members has put forward an ordinance that would uh, change all the rules for the downtown intersections when nobody asked for it. <laughs> when nobody, nobody asked for it. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, the mother of all data breaches that none of you have probably heard about. I have seen almost zero reporting on this, uh, but I do want to uh, I do want to uh, throw that out there and uh, and talk about it. Um, and also, although we normally uh, don't talk about national stuff, I will say that there's some interesting things happening. At the national level, and I'm going to glom. I'm going to talk about this simply because my friend J.D. Tuchilli over at Reason Magazine has written about this. Um, the title of his article, which is so good, is "Joe Biden's No Good, Very Bad Day." It was a week of bad news for the president. Fortunately for him, he probably won't remember. <laughs> it's it's just, I mean, <clears throat> baby, you cannot make this stuff up. You cannot make up this stuff. To uh, this this presidential race is shaping up to be just disastrous one way or the other. I'm just I'm shaking my head on that. And finally, we will also talk about um, uh, Sarah Vance, who um, was forced to make an apology on the floor or on the house uh, on the house floor uh, this week um, because of something she said. Um, about domestic violence and sexual assault rates and things like that, which, okay. I mean, I just, in my, in my mind, I'm looking at this and I think this is so much to do about nothing and it's been politicized now by the minority and I got some thoughts on this, but we'll get into it. All right. So that's kind of what I want to talk about for this hour. But as I said earlier, the phone lines are open, so if you want to sound off and talk about anything else, you're welcome to. I mean, I'm, I just love you know whatever you want to do. Let's uh, let's jump into that, and we'll see what you guys have to uh, have to say. 907-433-3150. Uh, first and foremost, let's talk about this uh, disaster that happened. 
uh, out at uh, uh, out at uh, Quillingock. Um, it was uh, this last week, and apparently um, Quillingock is way out there on the western side of Alaska, small rural village in southwest, um, and it looks like the, according to a DEC report, that as they were transferring fuel, diesel fuel, from one storage tank to a smaller storage tank, apparently somebody went to sleep. I, I don't know what happened, but the it, it, it they they dumped six thousand four hundred and sixty seven gallons of diesel out onto the tundra. They were moving from a ten thousand gallon tank to a much smaller tank. And um, they discovered that it is, uh, wow, just wow, 6,400 gallons of diesel fuel. Um, they said it was being moved from one storage tank to a smaller storage tank, both owned by Quick Inc., a general store in the area. The spill centered around the Quick Inc. marina. Um, the DEC said it's believed that human error led to the fuel being spilled and that the leak wasn't discovered until employees returned on work Thursday morning. So they, so this pump apparently was running for hours. Um, and uh, they said as, as soon as they discovered it, they, um, they, uh, uh, they shut off the pump. It was There was a transfer pump uh, that was going on. The transfer pump moves about 20 gallons a minute. And it was just going nonstop. <laughs> the report described the land around the site as frozen tundra in winter months with small ponds and sensitive wetlands sur uh, surrounding it. It did not specify if any waterways outside the immediate vicinity would be affected, but said there was no discharge into the Quillingock River that drains into the Kuskokwim Bay. Um, and they said the only animals that would be affected are stellars and speckle, uh, speckled eider ducks which are considered threatened, of course, and wood bison, but added that none of those animals would be expected to be living in the area at this time of the year. So, uh, but, oh, somebody's got some splated to do. And in fact, and the fact that they're paying, I think Willie said earlier that they're paying $8 and change, almost $9 for a gallon of fuel right now. Um, but, uh, so just do the math on that. Nine, $9 a gallon times 6,400 gallons. Somebody's losing their job over that one. I'm just telling you that for nothing. Somebody is losing their job over that one. And the good news is um, they recovered 85 gallons of fuel, right? That's what they said. 85 gallons of fuel out of the 6,400 gallons of uh, fuel. Uh, absolutely crazy, crazy. Uh, stuff going on out there um it uh but you know i don't know exactly what uh, uh i just don't know exactly what to say to that other than woof somebody's having a bad day somebody out there is definitely having a bad day um what else here do we have do we have time for anything no we're kind of running up against it uh so i will remind you that if you would like to participate in the show more fully you can do so by jumping over into the uh the chat room uh we broadcast the show every morning not just on the radio but we also simulcast the show on facebook and twitch and youtube so if you want to participate over there on any one of those you can go over there and 
uh, participate during the commercial breaks. We hang out and we uh, talk uh, behind the scenes during the commercial breaks. Uh, we also get a little bit of an after show usually for a few minutes, uh, just kind of summating everything. So if you want to participate in a new way, you can go over there and uh, hang out with us on Facebook or wherever. And finally, if you want to help uh, support the show and you want to, uh, you know, be a kind of a mini sponsor, you could join the Cool Kids Club, which is called the Common Sense Core. Uh, and for as little as three bucks a month, you can help uh, support the show, get access to our private Facebook page uh, for core members and so much more. It's all over at MichaelDukeShow.com, or you can go to Patreon.com slash MichaelDukeShow uh, to, uh, to get access to that and, uh, and to be part of it together. So that's all, the, that's, that's all the good stuff. That's all the housekeeping, which takes us to the commercial break. Again, phone lines are open, my friends. We are ready to take your calls if you want to sound off. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We will continue with more here in just a minute. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. What do we got here? Um... Going off down here. Light it off, not literally. Okay. Is this a private Facebook page or is if you're a member of the Common Sense Core, you're actually it's a private Facebook page. It's a private Facebook group. If you become a member of the Common Sense Core, you get to see all the stuff we're talking about behind the scenes. We're all talking about you behind your back. Not really. But there's always some interesting stuff in there. And um I love uh I love chatting and hanging out. I think I need to do an AMA. I think I need to do another Ask Me Anything. It's been a while. I said I was going to do more. I'm a bad radio host. I have not done more because my weeks are pretty full. And by the time I hit Saturday, I'm usually like, I'm so done. But I think maybe we should do an Ask Me Anything here in the near future. Is it better to do it in an evening? Maybe I'll ask the chat room the question. Maybe you guys could tell me. If I was going to do an Ask Me Anything, just kind of a sit down where we just – Crack open a fine glass of whiskey and and uh, I did. I Dave, I'm sorry, Dave. Send me. I already did. Fairbanks went. Uh, Dave's listening to me. I think right now. Um, um, I did. Uh, uh, okay. Uh huh. Uh, okay. Um, anyway, I, I don't know. Would it be better? But, you know, usually I think the last time we did it, it was two or three hours. We just kind of hung out and you guys asked me questions about, 
I think it was about a little bit of everything, life, hobbies, you know, history, memories. It was just a hangout, right? So is it better to do on a weekend? Because I think the last time we did it on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. Uh, or is it better in the evening, um, you know, like 5, 6 o'clock in the evening on a weekday? Uh, you guys will have to uh, uh, you guys will have to let me know. Uh, it's fun to watch you struggle, says Jeannie. She's cackling. Uh, I mean, I don't. I didn't mean cackle as a pejorative, but she's ha 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 ha. You know, she's like, it's fun to watch you struggle. No, it's not. Um, um, they pulled hundreds of thousands of gallons of free product from the water table. Okay. Uh, anytime after 5 p.m., says Terry. Everybody seems to be saying evening is good. Well, I mean, I suppose if I was announcing it and letting people know ahead of time that we could do an, an Ask Me Anything, um, I'd love that. I would love to just hang out with uh, with folks and uh, and do it, and we'll just do it for core members, and we'll post it to the uh, we'll post it to the core Facebook page, um, and we'll just do it there. We'll do it. We'll do a hangout. I think that would be um, would be a fun thing. Uh, can't join my drinking show. Well, you don't, you don't have to drink. I mean, I, I, I very ever rarely ever drink when I do. It's fine, fine whiskeys. Uh, but other than that, I just, that's not what I do. Uh, but we hang out and chat and it's kind of fun. It's kind of an enjoyable, an enjoyable thing to, uh, get things going on. Um, weekend. Well, that's the thing I was asking any, I was asking, should we do it on the weekend or the weekdays? Um, weekdays would actually be easier for me, uh, cause I'm still in work mode. By the time I hit the weekend, I'm usually so focused on getting my stuff done that I need to get done around the house or things with the family for the weekend. Uh, or I've already planned some kind of relaxation thing. Um, uh, um, that's, you know, that was it. Um, <laughs> Jeannie says, I have to say the last one put a smile on my face for days and it was the last AMA and it was scotch. Yes, it's scotch whiskey. When I say whiskey, I mean scotch whiskey. That's the only thing it is. Single malt, preferably. Uh, all right. Um, I, it looks like, I don't know. It looks like every, there's only been a handful of you who said anything. So maybe the weekday it is. Maybe we'll have to plan on that. We'll pull that together. Okay, we are 20, 15 seconds out right now from uh, rejoining the radio. We'll get things, uh, we'll get things up and running, and we will see what is uh, what you guys have to say. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Let's do this thing. Okay, uh, we're ready to go here. Apparently the folks down on the peninsula got a little bit of a behind-the-scenes thing there because uh, for some reason the station didn't go to commercial break. But we are back, ready to go. You guys all ready? Shall we, uh, shall we dive into the stories and see what, uh, 
um, see what's going on. Uh, let's uh, let's continue on uh, with the discussions for today. Where do I want to start? Uh, maybe we should talk about. Um, um, hmm. I'm sorry. Somebody, Dave just texted me from Homer about the station. I don't know what to say to that. Um, okay. Well, we'll figure it out. Uh, maybe we should talk about politicians going to politicianate. Politicians going to be political. I don't know. Um, so the story is over. Well, the story's in a couple different places, but I'm reading it from KTUU this morning. Uh, Lex uh, Yelverton uh, has written up this piece talking about what's going on in Anchorage. And uh, I know some of you are like, Anchorage, why do I care? I'm just using it as an example of how politicians are sometimes looking for, for a solution for a problem that isn't there. And uh, I think this this is it. North Anchorage, North Anchorage Assembly member Daniel Voland has put forward a new ordinance they would change the rules for drivers stopped at dozens of downtown intersections in Anchorage. If passed, the new rule would make it illegal for drivers to turn right on a red light at approximately 45 stoplights inside a 6 by 16 block of the Central Business District between 3rd and 9th Avenue and L and Gamble Streets. Vehicles would only be able to enter the intersection when the light turns green and they have the right-of-way. Now, why does he do this? I mean, has there been a lot of accidents, deaths, pedestrian hit-and-runs? Has there been a lot of things? Well, no. He cited the dramatic increased number of tra traffic fatalities that occurred nationwide. And because Anchorage has a significant mix of motorized and pedestrian road users, which Name me any downtown corridor in any, you know, semi-major city of a population of over 100,000 that doesn't have a significant mix of motorized and pedestrian users on the road. I mean, name me. But he's citing nationwide fatalities. He's apparently trying to get ahead of the curve here. Then they had testimony. <clears throat> this apparently, this is quotes from the story here. That are testimony from people who are all from outside, apparently, in support of this. Um, uh, or some in in uh, some of them who are against it. In this case, a tourist from Georgia says, as a driver, I like being able to turn on right on red. You know, you've got to watch out for pedestrians, bicyclists, and whatnot. Um, he said it would be pretty inconvenient for drivers to wait to make a right turn, especially in peak traffic time when there's no one in the crosswalk. I mean, if if you've ever hit Anchorage between, say, 3.30 p.m. and 5 p.m., 6 p.m., it's a mess. I mean, it is a hot, hot mess uh, sometimes to to get out of there. Um, Anchorage resident Ardith Lester also did not see the need for a change, saying she hasn't heard of many stories of pedestrians getting injured at intersections. Um, you know, what's going on? Then they had a tourist from California that came in and said, oh, I'm I'm a driver, but as a pedestrian, I've been hit three times by cars turning right on red because they were looking, you know, I, I, we just need to, I don't, again, this, this whole thing seems like it's a solution looking for a problem. Um, but uh, this is what Brad was talking about earlier, where we have politicians who are uh, in many cases just trying to do something, right? 
That's we, you know, something needs to be done about whatever it is, X, Y, or Z. Sometimes maybe it makes sense, but usually it's so reactionary that it really, in a lot of cases, doesn't fix the main problem or just creates more problems than it solves. It's the unintended consequences of the laws that get you going on this. Um, but I just, I just had to chuckle when I saw this and I was like, really, they're, they're just, we're just going to turn, you know, we're just going to turn this all down. This is what would, this is, this is the idea. Um, the city reported 109 vehicle pedestrian crashes in 2022, about 10 of them happened downtown. So this would not, I mean, I, but you know. 93 vehicle crashes, uh, vehicle cyclist crashes in 2022, with about five of them happening downtown. So what's this? He says he also says it's not just about safety. He wants to foster more foot traffic downtown. That would be beneficial to the local economy. You want to make it more beneficial? Get us, you know, get the parking fixed downtown. Get the roads plowed out downtown to where we can actually park up near the sidewalk. Do I mean there's there's a, this is not this is not the solution to this right here. I'm just going to say that this is not the this is a solution looking for a problem. Um, but again, it is the typical political response of we must do something for some perceived issue on this, and uh, that just doesn't do me any good. Um, all right, what else we got here? I want to talk about this. Uh, I want to talk about this breach uh, that happened. Uh, uh, this data breach that probably none of you have heard about, uh, but we'll talk about that here and uh, in just a second. Meanwhile, let's go over to the phones, and we'll get started with your phone calls as well to see what you have to say. Nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What is uh, what's on your mind, sir? Hello. I can. Hello. I can hear you, Randy. What's on your mind? Hello. hello. Randy, can you, you can hear me. Okay, I, I can hear you. Go ahead. Suddenly, I can't hear your voice, but I'll go ahead. Okay. Uh, I am concerned about HJR seven, which has been mentioned a few times just lately on the show. Uh, that is a, uh, uh, a bill to try to put a free cash handout, namely the PFD into the Constitution, and I think that's a terrible mistake. I liken it to a poison apple that's being offered to the Alaskan people. They should not do that. We need to keep our true and honest dividend, which means a payment that is based on surplus money that we have uh, created based on our proper husbandry of our financial situation and budget in the state, um, in the state um, affairs, and um, we should not uh, elevate that to a basic human right that people get to have free money no matter what. Are you asserting that the permanent fund dividend is, um, that that's government money? I mean, you don't believe what Jay Hammond talked about with the people's share of the revenue resources or any of that? You don't believe that that's true? Yeah, it's government money, which is commonly owned by all the people. You know, everything in the government to uh, is commonly owned by the people. But, I mean, Hammond, Hammond talked specifically about the permanent fund as being the way to pay the people for their loss of their mineral rights, their private property rights, and a way to give them their, their fair share of the mineral wealth in the state 
Um, and so you don't believe in what, what Hammond's vision was for that? Well, the mineral wealth that is, that is uh, generated in this state is for the benefit of the people, whether it's uh, put into public services or whether it's put into uh, uh, cash payments based on a surplus beyond what is required for public necessary services. And so, yes, it all goes to the people. But I'm just saying that a free guaranteed cash handout should not be enshrined in the Constitution. That should be left in the legislative uh, arena. Uh, the HJR7, by the way, would only say that they shall pay a dividend. It doesn't say how much. That would still be factored by statute, so legislators could make it 5%. They could zero it out. They could make it 50-50. But you'd still be against having to say that they shall transfer and make a payment. Yeah, I would, I would be against them doing it, saying so in the Constitution because other people in the lower 48 will – gravitate toward that and point to that and say, look at what Alaska has done in their constitution. They have said that a free cash handout is a basic right of the, of the human people, and uh, therefore we should do the same thing with a universal basic income here down in the lower 48, and they have experimented in various places in the lower 48 with that, and that's just a terrible idea because down there, to do that, they have to finance it by taking money from hardworking people. But you don't see the taking of the permanent fund as taking money from the people. You just assume that it's all governments and government is going to be wise and diligent and that they've done a bang-up job so far. Well, the job they do is dependent on the people themselves, you know, who they elect as their representatives and, and how closely they pay attention to what's going on. And there, of course, is always going to be waste in government, but we do not have to uh, accelerate our decline by making basically a universal basic income the law of the land, the law of the highest, the, the highest law of the land. That's just a terrible mistake. So you would think that a one-time payout per year is a form of universal basic income. That's what you're saying. No, one-time payment. The PFD is fine. I'm all for the PFD. As you know, I. I support two PFDs. I want to also add a PFD that's similar to Hammond's original PFD that he signed into law in 1980. But anyway, that's a different story. But uh, that is great if we can have a surplus after basic bills are paid to pay out and send out checks to everybody. That's great. I, I've collected but you're, you're, for years. You're so basically advocating. You're basically advocating for this, and you actually said this on the program about 15 years ago, where you said, "Just give them all the money they want. They'll eventually." And I'm paraphrasing. They'll eventually learn to to spend, you know, responsibly and spend within their means. You are not for cutting the resource fund to government to tr to try and force them to live within their means. You're like, give them all the money they want, and if they happen to have a surplus then we can have some of it. But until then, we should give them whatever they want because they know best, question mark? Well, I've never really said that. You have taken something that I have said 15 years ago, you say, and and you keep falling back on that when we have our talks. And uh, uh, maybe it's something when I, when I said, well, I'm giving back my PFD because – which I have done since 2015, and, and maybe you've misinterpreted what I meant by that or what my purpose in doing that was. But I'm, for, uh, I'm not for a state income tax, which is like giving them all they want. I'm opposed to a state income tax, and passing HDR 7, which would enshrine the P 
PFD payment in the Constitution would hasten the the imposition of a state income tax. And as a working man, I'm against that. Uh, state income tax, I think, is inevitable, Randy. I mean, look, not just the projections, even if they left it alone, even if HJR 7 didn't pass and they, you know, but the PFD is diminishing, diminishing the, I mean, they're going to draw it down. According to, this is not me saying it, this is the numbers that OMB and others have put out saying that within a few years, that money will all be gone and then there will be a tax. So do you think that there's any other way to, uh, to, you know, to force government to live within its means other than to starve the beast, so to speak? Well, my idea that I've put forward on the show before is to have an expansion clause built right into the PFD statute. The that's not my statute that says that if there is a surplus, but that's not my the question. PFD that's not, but that's be higher but than that, what the base amount is. But Randy, that's not my question. And that would encourage people to cut spending. That's not my question. The question is, what is the best way to get the government to live within its means? Is it to reduce the amount of revenue available for them to spend so that they then have to prioritize what they're doing and look at what they're mandated to do and then go from there? Or is it to give them access to ever-increasing amounts of money and then one day they'll figure it out? Well, the best way is to elect representatives that uh, want a lean government and efficient government, and uh, I try to vote for good people. I'm sure you try to vote for good people. Kevin McCabe <clears throat> is your representative. I think he's a good person, and uh, that's the way we go forward. All right. Uh, thank you, Randy. Appreciate your call. Appreciate you calling in. Let's go over here. One more call before we go to break. Uh, we'll see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Barbara Heaney calling from North Pole, Alaska. Hello, Barbara. What's on your mind? Well, what's on my mind is uh, Thursday evening at 530. There's going to be a special assembly hearing uh, to pass, presumably, an ordinance that would raise the tax cap. One version of the ordinance has the election scheduled for April 30th. Another version of the ordinance is to put it on the October ballot. Both versions um, call for dedicating funds to education um, and enable the, and I don't know, I mean, they want to increase your taxes by $10 million, so folks, so uh, Thursday evening, show up, call the borough clerk ahead of time, get on the schedule to speak. This is at 5.30, so you want to call her before 4.30, so take your lunch hour, call the borough clerk's office and uh Get on the schedule, get off work, get head on down there and testify, email, whatever. Hey, hey, if you think this is a good idea, then you should show up and testify too. I don't think most people think this is a good idea. They're, we're talking about probably a hundred dollars uh, per hundred thousand of right. taxes. So you look at your assessment bill that you just got or your assessment statement. You've got a three hundred thousand dollar house. It's an extra three hundred dollars. This uh, either this January, this June, July, or next year. Okay. And this is a big deal. Um, you know, uh, people need to speak up. All you right. can email assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, at fnsp.gov, or you can, that's the email, call in, set up a time to testify. You can testify by phone, or you could show up in the assembly. Showing up is a big deal. Right, that right. has an impact. 
So if you can show up, do it. All right. Uh, we'll hold the line for a second, Barbara. Um, that's coming up again Thursday at 530. Get your ducks in a row and uh, go check it. Uh, go check it out. All right, we are up against the next break. Uh, we're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Phone lines are open 907 433 3150. We continue with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes on Demand. Oh, and it's free, like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, uh, Barbara, I just want to get your I, – because I, I read this the other day that the mayor was now – apparently now there's they found uh, $13 million in the couch cushions or something. And so now that's not necessarily the crisis it yeah, is. And I that's guess. that's how they that's how they've now decided to have two options. Well, you know, there's always a crisis. It's always for the children, right? Well, they took the couch out of – my joke is that they took the couch out of the Mary Sy lobby – and lo and behold, they found $13 million. It's not really what happened, but it's a nice joke. Um, really what happened is the money was there all along. Um, most of us in last year's assembly knew that. Um, the auditor, of course, reported it in the audit report. So now the audit committee can claim that they magically found $13 million. The auditor found it. But it was always there. The rest of us knew about it. Um, that's why they could say, there's a crisis. I'm like, no, there isn't. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, uh, and, those of and, us on the finance committee well, last year knew that money was there. Well, and then this I is guess. not like a secret. That's why I've been against this whole thing. Right. Well, and I um, guess my question is, why do they, increase. why do they still have two options then? Why wouldn't they just put it on the October ballot if they're so hot and fired to do it? Why? I mean, you know, I mean, why wouldn't when the mayor said that, I assume that they were then going to change it to the October 10th ballot and it would go head to head with the tax cap. But now they're giving you two options. That, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't know. The committee, the, the committee substitute or the substitute by Ms. Fletcher, and she introduced it last week, was to have the put it on the October ballot because they magically found. $10 million in the audit committee. Well, I watched the audit committee. They accepted the report and they sent it on up. It was like a 30-minute meeting at best. The, the audit committee didn't find anything. The auditor reported on what we already knew was there and that the mayor was trying to act like wasn't there. Right. So um, there's a couple other pots of money as well, and it's not for me to get all involved in that piece, but... Um, they don't need to raise the tax cap. This is a fabricated crisis. Um, and, of course, it's always for the children, right? <laughs> so you create a crisis, you say it's for the children, but you can't dedicate funds in the state. Right, So they right. can take that tax increase and they can spend it on us. Yeah. Whatever. No, exactly. Well, whatever. I hope everybody shows up on Thursday to talk about this because, yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. Absolutely no sense uh, whatsoever. All right, Barbara. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for the heads up. I... Michael, but let me tell you one other thing. This is really a slap in the face of the activists who signed the tax cap. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's definitely a poke right in the eye to anybody who's ever carried a petition for the tax cap or fought for it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Barbara. Well, thank you so All much. Right. Well, you guys have a great day and hope to see you Thursday night. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, uh, Barbara Haney. Uh, there, honest. Let's go back over here. Uh, Ryan said, I thought Mayor Wood bailed on the ordinance. Well, so did I. That's what I had read. But apparently they're deciding to keep all their arrows in the same quiver. We might still get it on top of that. We might get an extra $10 million. Once they got the machine running, they, you know, ugh, man, it's just. Okay. Um, <clears throat> on Friday, head over to the Republican Women's whoops, uh, Fairbanks Lincoln Day Dinner. All money goes towards electing local candidates. Well, that's good. Um um scrolling through here uh mike i did see your po- i did see your um your uh, uh your comment uh he just posted the link again uh where they named alaska as america's most corrupt state i'm thinking about talking about that on thursday but there you go um 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 Brian Ryan said, I'm pretty sure the mayor pulled it, but I could be wrong. I did receive a letter from an assembly member, which I think they regret after I responded. Well, I'd be interested to see what that was all about. Phil, tell us more. Tell us more. Uh, Shelly says, OK, I'll be in the assembly chambers on Thursday to say hell no. Well, there you go. That's uh, good stuff. Um. <laughs> Jeannie also said to Randy's comment, your characterization of the PFD is demeaning. I mean, I agree with that. But you, look, you can't even have a rational argument when you can't you when you can't agree on the fundamental basics of the facts. That's you, you, you know, you just can't even have a you can't even have an argument about it. Um, so there you go. Um, um, I'm scrolling through here. Um, okay. All right. We're ready to go. Um, we're going to continue the Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. What do I want to talk about? Do I want to talk about the breach? Do I want to talk about Biden or do I want to talk about Sarah Vance's comments? You guys tell me in the chat room right now. One, two, or three, one, two, or three. Hit me with it. Breach. Biden, Vance, one, two, or three. Just type it in the chat room. Here we go. It's the last time I ever give the chat room the opportunity to weigh in on something. I said, what, what should we do for the last segment? One, two, or three. Uh, give them three different choices, and then somebody says, four, chemtrails. Let's talk about chemtrails. Let's talk about chemtrails. Um, all right. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Um, wow. Everybody's all over the place. Um, but it seems like the chat room has spoken and they want me to talk a little bit about Sarah Vance. 
So to me personally, this is much ado about nothing, okay? You probably won't find a person in the legislature who is more strident and more vocal and has done more about human trafficking, sexual assault, violence, those things, than Sarah Vance. She's been championing this for years. Well, apparently she was in the House Tribal Affairs Committee hearing last Wednesday, and she made a comment about the disproportionate rates of domestic violence and sexual violence experienced by Alaska Native women. And maybe she didn't say it the best way, but here's and it's I didn't watch the whole committee, but I did I did hear the comment that you know that's got everybody spun up, and the ADN actually uh, uh, Sean McGuire with the ADN actually has a story up on this, and here's what she said that. Apparently blew a lot of people's minds. She goes, what I hear in this committee is that Alaska Native women feel that it's exclusive to your experience because it sounds exactly what I've heard uh, of white women in my community. It's the same thing. But what I continue to hear in this committee over and over again, as if you're the only one, and I know that's not your heart. Basically saying, we know it's it's worse statistically for native women but there are but every person who's experienced this has a very similar experience and you know we need to basically take care of you know everybody well that immediately led to a uh, fervor uh, CJ McCormick who's a democrat from Bethel and a member of the majority caucus uh, said he was at a loss for words he said he and Vance spoke and that he better understood where she was coming from But it was hard to hear those comments after the committee had heard more than an hour of powerful testimony about the public safety crisis facing Alaska Natives. Um, Vance, who obviously has championed uh, for law, who has been the champion among lawmakers trying to address human and sex trafficking, noted in her comments the incredible gap between Alaska Native women's experience in accessing resources for justice. But she also encouraged indigenous advocates that remember that they have white sisters who are going through the same thing. So, again, it was just we know it's a problem, but everybody lost their mind. Ashley Carrick, the Fairbanks Democrat, said that as a white woman, it hurt it hurt her to hear about the disparities facing Alaska Native women. Uh, but then it, that everything that the justice for victims was not the same and that she should not. That Vance shouldn't have made those comments. So five days after the committee hearing, Sarah clawed onto the floor yesterday and apologized for comments that she said were, quote, less than gracious, adding what I should have said is that evil does not discriminate. When we talk about sexual violence and justice, it's messy and dirty, and my words create a defense. It's not my heart or my intention to ever create an offense, especially on such a deeply important topic. I in no way want to dishonor the voice of victims of sexual violence or Alaska Native voice who've been crying out for justice for so long. But here's where it gets just icky. At the same time, she was apologizing on the House floor The House Minority Caucus issued a prepared statement to the media demanding that she apologize for the comments that they said were appalling. The whole thing is appalling. All sexual assault and violence is appalling. But because she dared to say we need to take care of everybody collectively, that was appalling. Fairbanks Democrat Maxine uh, Dibbert, uh, Dibbert, uh, the only Alaska Native woman currently serving in the legislature, 
said in the interview earlier that day that she's been very hurt by Vance's comments, that she appreciated Vance's apology, but she wished it had been made in private to her first. Just. It's a horrific topic. It's a horrible topic. I in no way saw that as demeaning. It's probably because of my white privilege that I didn't see it as demeaning, as I saw it as a way to remind us all that we are all in the same boat together and we need to address this for everyone, especially for the disproportionately affected Native women, but that it's for everyone as well. And the fact that Dibbert got her feelings hurt by words, I understand it happens sometimes, but that she wanted Vance to come make a private apology to her first, and because she didn't, they went out and put a press release out and made it a political football? That's just... That's just dumb. That's just dumb. Um, Dibbert said that the violence against anyone is horrible. Oh, well, I'm glad you acknowledged that. But disproportionate rates of violence experienced by Alaska Native makes the situation unique. I would agree with that. I would agree that it makes the situation unique. But it doesn't diminish the suffering of anyone else as well. I think what she, again, I think she's right. Evil does not discriminate was what she was trying to say. That everyone, we've got, everyone's got skin in this game. And we need to, to fight it. But the fact that they turned it into a political football to try and smear or demean somebody who's probably got one of the purest hearts in the legislature, Sarah Vance is just, I mean, she's, she's just such a sweet lady. And she's she's been fighting this battle for five years. And the fact that they go after this whole thing with like a, a, a timed press release that just as she's making the comments on the floor to apologize, they're demanding it's something different. It's just... It's freaking stupid. So there you go. You wanted my thoughts on it. That's what I'm just like. Everybody is so butthurt about everything. Uh, and and again, you can play the you can play the 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 butthurt because now it's a political thing. Oh, it, her apology was fine, but I just wish she'd come and made it to my face earlier. Well, does that mean she has to go to each and every individual Alaska native that was offended and apologize to them first before she apologizes to the group as a whole? It just it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. All right, we got time for one call here before we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Carlene in Kodiak. Morning, Carlene. And as a elderly Alaska native woman, I appreciate what Sarah Vance has been doing for us. I want to say thank you. And I really believe that her intentions are good and I appreciate her speaking the truth in love. It has to be spoken. That's what tough love is. Right, right. Thank you. All right, well, thank you, Carlene. I appreciate it. Uh, And you know what? I mean, there you go. There's one person who wasn't necessarily hurt by her words. So I guess it's not universal. That's the other thing. They act like it's all universal. Like if if they're offended, then everybody who's in their camp or their, uh, you know, their gender or their skin tone or everybody must be offended if that's the case. But I don't think it necessarily was. I know Sarah Vance, I you know, she does not say things. Uh, for bombast. She does not say things for shock value. She does not say things to hurt people. Uh, And the fact that they did this, and as she's making the heartfelt apology on the floor, 
they put this out and make it even more political is just disgusting. It's just disgusting. I just, I really, just divide us more. Okay. Just divide us more. That's all we need to do. You know, inclusivity equals outrage, said Brian. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of what it is. Somebody's, somebody's got to be offended. Somebody's got to be offended. And, and if you keep looking for something to be offended about, you will find it. Even the most well-meaning words, I'm sure, could offend somebody. But, uh, you know, there you go. I don't see anybody coming after Jennifer Johnston to demand her apology when she was on the when she was on the in the legislature and said that all the people, the natives just drink up their uh, their PFDs. I, I didn't see anybody. I didn't see the outrage then for one of the dumbest comments I've ever heard. But there you go. That's that's how it works around here, apparently. All right. We got to go. Uh, we will continue. We will continue. Yeah. Sarah was just saying, don't forget anyone. If you're offended, then you've got the problem. Exactly. All right, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. Credit where credit's due. That was a good comment, Harold. It's a good comment. Sarah was just saying, don't forget anyone. If you're offended, then you've got the problem. But if you're looking to be offended, you will find it anywhere you anywhere you look. You'll find it. You will find it. <laughs> Rick says, man, I got stuff I want to say, but it would get me kicked off of everything. I, it's just, it's so, it's just so irritating. All right. Well, my friends, that does it for today. Um... Maybe I'll put a poll up in the Common Sense Core to figure out when people want to do an AMA. Maybe I'll do that. But you won't be able to vote on it unless you're a member of the Common Sense Core if you want to participate. It's only three bucks a month. It helps out the show. Puts, you know, puts whiskey in my glass, shoes on my kids' feet, gas in my car, new equipment for the studio. That's how we do all these things. So uh, if you want to help, Go to patreon.com slash Michael Duke show. All right, friends, we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show 